Hey friends, welcome to Enough for Today for July the 28th, Thursday. Thanks for joining me. We're journeying through Psalm 55. Psalm 55, and I'm excited that you would take the journey with me. Thanks for letting me speak God's Word into your heart and life. And we're going to read the first eight verses of this psalm because David really sets up uh, what he's going through. So let's read it together. And we've we've studied up through about verse 7, uh, but I just want to kind of draw a bow around these first eight verses, the first paragraph, really. Give ear to my prayer, O God, and hide not thyself from my supplication. Attend to me and hear me. I mourn in my complaint and make a noise. So he's asking God to sit down and give him his attention and his perspective. He's asking for God's presence and influence, okay? Uh, But notice, not immediately, like, get me out of this, but more attend this with me, sit in this with me, uh, help me process what I'm experiencing. It's the uprising of his son. It's an extreme situation of grief, complexity, confusion, uh, enemy, assault, uh, victimization, oppression. So it applies to a lot, a broad section, a, a broad uh, array of trials and burdens and hardships in our lives. So David says, God, would you join me in this? Would you be in this with me? And would you hear me and listen to my complaint? Uh, verse 3, because of the voice of the enemy, because of the oppression of the wicked, for they cast iniquity upon me and in wrath, they hate me. So he says, God, these voices are getting into my head. And the dominant theme of my life is that I am a victim of wicked people. I am oppressed. My friend, anytime a victim narrative seizes your heart, mind, and thought stream, I'm the victim, they hate me, they oppress me, you're on the wrong track. That's a self-destructive narrative. And you're giving your enemy power, okay? You're giving them free rent in your psyche, okay? And, and David realizes that. So he's, he's saying, God, move in so the voices of my enemy can move out. I am evicting uh, the voice of the enemy. I'm not going to empower this narrative any longer. I don't want to just be the victim, God, I want to understand your view of this. Now, the reason I say the victim narrative is always self-destructive, you you need it in the moment just to reckon with the reality of what's going on objectively. I get that. But the minute you own it and begin to live in it, stew in it, marinate in it, meditate on it, and really just kind of self-pity, now the victim narrative is empowering your enemy, giving them free rent in your head and taking you down a wrong road, okay? The victim narrative is never God's narrative because you're not the you're not merely a victim. In Christ you are a victor. You are not a victim of your oppressor. You're a child of the living God. If you've trusted Jesus as your savior and you know him, then you know his care and comfort and his presence and that makes you uh, so much other than, so much more than uh, merely a victim. So David's reckoning with his victimhood, but he's also rejecting it at the same time, okay? My heart is sore pained within me. Now he's complaining to God. Now we talked about the value of complaining to God, but he's honestly just laying it out. God, my heart is aching. The terrors of death are fallen upon me. I'm, I'm afraid I'm about to die. Fearfulness and trembling are come upon me. The anxiety, uh, the terror, he says, and horror hath overwhelmed me. And remember the parallelism of Psalms. Often the first phrase is is echoed 
in the second phrase synonymously. It's 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 said it's saying the same thing with different words to strengthen and and fill in the with robust meaning. It's often either synonymous or um, antonymous. Is that a word? It's an, a synonym or an antonym. Okay. It could be the opposite. The first phrase could be contrasted by the second phrase. When in a parallelism, or the first phrase could be echoed and repeated by the second phrase. That's Hebrew poetry, and it happens often. So, uh, fearfulness and trembling are come upon me, horror and uh, hath overwhelmed me. You see the parallelism. But David, in verse 5, is overwhelmed. And I said, verse 6, so this is David's natural, carnal self response. This is his first instinctive response. And I want you to, I would qualify it by the word escape. Okay, so track it with me. And I said, oh, that I had wings like a dove, for then would I fly away and be at rest. So David says, if I could fly away from here, I would fly away. I would be a bird and I would go find a a limb somewhere and I I would build a nest and I would be at rest, untouchable to this stuff. Now, on one hand, my friend, that's the desire of all of our souls to fly away and be at rest. Okay. So desiring rest is not sinful, but the escapism, the temptation of our souls, when, um, when the oppression comes, when the burden grows, the, 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 the temptation is escapism. I want to get out of this. I want to run. And most often that is the worst response, okay? Especially when God is providentially leading me through a critical moment in life, a growing uh, problem-oriented moment where God's going to take me through this and he's going to teach me and shape me through this. Listen, the worst that your enemy can be in the hand, the worst, if you know Christ, the worst that your enemy can do is to be the unwitting hand of God in your spiritual formation and sanctification and maturity. So your enemy is, God's going to, Romans 8, 28, turn your enemy's deeds around and somehow use them for good in your life. That's what he does. So even your enemies, your trials, your hardship, your oppression, all of it is a tool in the hands of God to use, to bring about good things in your life. Uh, No chastening, Hebrews teaches us, no chastening for the present time seemeth to be joyous, but is nevertheless grievous. Uh, Nevertheless, afterward, it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness to them that are exercised thereby. Do you get it? Okay. Chastening is all the negative circumstances we go through in life, not punishment, but God using the negative to cultivate and grow and nurture and change us. That's what he's doing. So our instinctive human carnal response is, I want to fly away. I want to be at rest. The raw desire is good. God's going to fill that uh, eventually. But the temptation to flee God-ordained, God-called moments is a bad temptation. Verse 7, he's uh, fantasizing a little bit. Lo, Then would I wander off and remain in the wilderness, Selah. David says, oh, if I could just release myself from these circumstances and just wander off 
free of responsibility, free of relationships, free of all the pressures and all the worries and fears. And I just live in the wilderness, okay? Um, alone, no responsibility, no vulnerability, just, just free as a bird. This is David's tempting idea. And then he says in verse 8, I would hasten my escape from the windy storm and tempest. Now, I want to draw this contrast, and then I've got to let you go today. Okay. David, the first word of verse 8, I would. Okay. You remember what Jesus prayed in the garden? Not my will, but thy will. Okay. Why does David say, give ear to my prayer, attend unto me, hear me? I have a sneaking suspicion. We'll see where the psalm goes. But I have a sneaking suspicion that David realizes his instinctive desires, his carnal desires, his will is not the will of God. Uh, what he would do is destructive to himself and others and to God's purposes in his life. So often, my friend, what I would do in a given situation, in my circumstances, is destructive to me, to my family, to those I love and care for and lead, uh, to my church, to my ministry. So many things that I would want to do in my own flesh or carnality would be destructive. So David said, I would escape. I would hurry and escape from this windy storm and tempest. But I can feel, now this is maybe a bit of conjecture, I can feel in the phrase, the emotion behind the phrase of David coming to the realization that if, if, if God led me here, then God is walking with me through this. And if he hasn't already brought my escape, then he is unfolding his will. Um, and so my, my forced escape would be to violate God's providential design for my life. I don't want this windy storm and tempest. I want to get out of it. I want to escape it. But for right now, apparently God doesn't want me to escape it. My friend, do you trust and love God enough to accept the storm and the tempest that he leads you into? Do you love God enough to trust him that he's doing good things, to believe by faith that one day the storm's going to pass, the storm's going to clear, the skies are going to open up, the sun's going to shine again, and you're going to see the good, you're going to see the fruit, you're going to enjoy the amazing things that God did out of that. Uh, as many of you know, we just got, Dana and I just had six weeks away together, and uh, we just, I can't even describe to you how we enjoyed the time together, Tw really almost 24-7 with very few exceptions, we were in each other's presence or proximity, okay, uh, for, an, for six weeks straight with no disruption. And uh, I know I didn't get tired of her. I don't think she got tired of me. <laughs> I don't know. You'll have to ask her. But um, we so enjoyed our companionship and our time together. Um, and, and we did a lot of conversing about the story that God's written in our lives. And I was thinking back um, 12 years from uh, the midpoint of our sabbatical. 12 years prior, I was, uh, I was on radiation and just coming out of chemo and uh, fighting cancer. And the future was gray and blurry and the storm cloud was present. And life was hard and miserable and uh, never in a million years in our imagination could we have imagined the story that God had in mind for the next 10 years. Never could we fathom that 12 years later uh, we'd be on a break together cherishing, celebrating, 
the story of God that he wrote out of the negative circumstances. Uh, I don't think most of the blessings would have, in fact, none of those blessings would have emerged if we hadn't walked through the storm of cancer together with God, with Jesus. So I just tell you, friend, you would escape, but don't. Trust God with the escape and trust God with the storm because he's doing good things. Hey, have a great Thursday. We'll see you tomorrow.